The Catholics of Oz is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to episode 84 of The Catholics of Oz. The Catholics of Oz is a show where we discuss faith, culture, and what's been happening from an Aussie perspective. Whether it's synods or science, apostolates and apps, providence or productivity, you can hear it right now on The Catholics of Oz. Hello, I'm Lindsay Sads and welcome to episode 84 of The Catholics of Oz. So good to have you with us today. For this episode, I am joined by my co-host, Lido Sabol. Lido, how are you going this morning? Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Lindsay. Yes, I'm doing, actually doing okay. Okay. Uh, I was hoping the weather would be slightly bit better for spring. But, spring. Um, it's not yeah, such it's a good okay. spring day today. Yeah, we've had some good spring weather, but today it's yeah, yeah it's a bit cold and muggy, uh, but yeah. cold. <laughs> yes. you take the good with the bad in spring. You know, at least it's not all yeah, bad, exactly. which is what, which is exactly. winter is. Yeah. Oh, winter was so cold. Well, that's what I heard about when we were in Queensland, but that's, that's another story we can talk about later on. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, Someone who was in Queensland. Yes, we've had this. We've had this. Yeah, I created you already in a podcast about this. Yeah. Like I want to start on the positive of note that it's good to see that um everyone's out again and yeah and getting busy again so melbourne's getting in a normal state and and, and it's a great thing we're having f- um music festivals back mm-hmm. i've seen um posters about um was it the, sh- the quote me and now it's called the melbourne royal show it's not yes. called the royal melbourne show, show. Uh, anyway it's, it's a show <laughs> melbourne show is back again yes. and it's great to see it, it's yep. it, coming back and and grand also, final We'll have full crowds. AFL, yep. That's right. At, oh, this and, and and I was so, uh, in a sense, happy and proud to see that the AFLW um, yeah. uh, um, teams are all um, oh, well, complete now. So yes. there's all, what's it? Oh, gosh, two, eight to 16. Oh, my gosh. Jerry will kill me now. 16 <laughs> players the on, on the, <laughs> AFL, the AFL, uh, AFL side and 16 for the AFLW side. Yeah. So, Lindsay, we have an incident. Bombers um, women's type um, team and they're doing well and I'm, I'm I was going to say really they're doing well because the men's team I mean, you know, yeah I'm a Bombers we, we, fan we, but you know uh, <laughs> yeah yeah that was that was a bit controversial but uh, yeah, yeah it's been uh, controversial for the last five or six years <laughs> five or six for us yeah. yeah that's true but the women are very uh, they played their first match they won the first match excellent uh, they lost the second and they're playing the third but it's actually look I, I'm really excited to see this um, league do well and yeah. it's a good yeah, it's it's pretty tough. Yeah, a bit, and I'm not saying they're not. I'm just saying it's just yeah. like wow. Okay, they're really getting into it. And uh, it's AFL by its very nature is just rough and tumble, isn't it? It's, <laughs> it's yes, people yeah. crashing into each other, and yeah, that's it. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, what, Lots what of we bruises. Domi- yeah, well, I was asked Dom if seen if he's watched an AFL match. Probably we've asked him, but I don't know what, what, sure. what he says. Well, he we'll be having him on soon, so we'll have to yes, throw that. Qu- yes. Yeah. Yeah, so he's got time to prepare. He's got two weeks to prepare because he's hearing this. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and also for homework, I think, Dom, um, you need to watch an oh. AFL match. <laughs> <laughs> probably. What's going on? Probably. That's the reaction usually for. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a modern age. Maybe right yeah. now he can watch the older ones. Yeah, you know, and see what's going on. But they were very rough. They They're were very rough. rough. But yeah, yeah, a lot of changes and yeah. um, rules and everything. But yeah, yeah. but like um, honestly, also, I think look, um, the thing is, mm, let me just say, I watch an AFL match and half the time I don't know what's going on either. I'm, I'm very odd in then, that way. Uh, <laughs> I, I I just think, oh, okay, they changed that rule. 
and sometimes they're consistent and with the referees and everything. But look, it's the name of the game. It's the name of the so game. So it's the way the game and the way the game is, and we yeah. got passionate supporters that you can see on TV. I go, whoa. Okay, at, anyway. Um, at least, can I just say, <laughs> at least, finally, and I don't know if it's because the, the AFL moved from, I think it was from Channel 7 to Channel 9 or whatever it was, but when it used to be Channel 7's baby, they used to always... Oh, it's still, it's still, it's still Channel it? 7. Oh, baby, it was... Yeah, it's still Channel okay. 7. All right, well, then, thank goodness oh, that someone oh, at Channel okay. 7 woke up then and decided, because every year what they used to do was when the grand final would come up, they would play the Holy Grail like as their music leading into commercials and... Okay. Like every year without fail. And I got so sick of it. It's like, can you pick a different song? Can you just, just find something else because you've made it a cliche and, and it's getting very annoying now. Like, just, there are so many other songs. Can you? There are plenty of other songs out there. Yes, that can and they haven't something. done it in years now. So someone finally, yeah, they must have had a change of hands. Like someone who's has a playlist yeah. of more than one song. <laughs> I, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised Channel 7 have changed managers for, for many years. Yeah. So I think it was, that was that I'd change. And then, and yeah, different songs or like even more artists, a bit more um, radio time. And yeah. just quickly, mm-hmm. and just quickly, of course, a bit of a down, downer, but, um, you know, but it's, it's a heartwarming um, uh, story. We heard that, in a sense that our Queen Mother has passed away. Yeah, Queen but, Elizabeth II, yes, yeah. When I say yeah. it's a heartwarming um, yeah. thing, but it's a memory of her. That's a heartwarming thing. And I'm yeah, thinking, absolutely. I'm saying, yeah. Not of her passing away, but her memory and her legacy well, her, that she has Absolutely left. amazing long reign as Queen and all the world wow. events that she's seen. Well, um, just on that, by coincidence, right? Um, so now this is we... At time of recording, we heard the news yesterday in in Australia. So I just point that out in Australia because this, you know, yeah. by the time people hear this, it'd be a week ago um, that that it's happened. Now, just so you know, I was in uh, Warragul for the last two days for a religious education leaders conference, and at the hotel where we stayed overnight for the conference, uh, or sorry, at the conference center where we had our sessions, there was a um, a photo of Queen Elizabeth II. And uh, one of my colleagues pointed out, he goes, go check out that photo. So I had a look, right? And it has a, it's, it's a photo of her, quite young, from 1954. It's got her signature on it. And it says, this photograph was signed by Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II after visiting Warrigal on Wednesday, the 3rd of March, 1954. So there happened whoa. to be a signed photo of her hanging on the wall. They're like, whoa, nice. massive coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, we were like, wow, just talk about the timing of, uh, there just happens to exactly. be this photo of her, yeah, signed photo from 1954, which is amazing. So, yeah, um, that's beautiful. That's yeah. beautiful. So obviously condolences to her family and um and yeah and I, I guess gratitude for the for the good things that she did um during her time as queen as well. So yeah, uh, she has yeah. she has turned a lot of um mm. things happening in the monarch and yes and yeah. her, I mean just the family um, problems and everything you know just just exactly. leading the family through all the issues that have gone on there. These issues have like been that. going on yeah exactly and yes. she you know, she's been a great. Um, yep. Queen in the monarch for us here in Australia. Yes, uh, and she, uh, what I what I really um, love seeing her and looking at her on the um, TV and the news is her smile. Yes, yeah, yeah. When she smiles, yeah. that is, I feel that is a genuine smile. Yeah, of, <laughs> of maybe a cheeky young queen. Yeah, you used to back in the year. Yeah, you know she did have smile. a sense of humor behind Whoop, closed doors. That's what she, that's what's been coming definitely. out now. Yeah, people talk about some of the definitely. anecdotes. Yeah, and things I you wouldn't say while she's that. alive, but yeah. <laughs> yeah but now, yeah. now that she's passed, you know, people are telling personal stories that are right, you know, that are heartwarming, like you mentioned. 
Um, and yeah, hearing and it's some lovely. Yeah, just just her sense of humor as well. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Mm. Well, let's pray that the monarchy will always be a force for good because that you know there's always challenges with the family issues that go on and mm. you know mm. all the the things that go on behind the scenes. So let's pray that um, that there will be a force for good moving into the future. Definitely, we we definitely. need as many forces for good in as many institutions as we possibly can get these days. So yes, yeah. So let's yes, pray that yes. they'll be part of that. All right, so uh, before we continue the show, uh, if you're new to listening to The Catholics of Oz, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, or your favorite podcast player. We always welcome new people to listen and to interact with us, so so welcome if you are listening for the first time. Don't forget to give us a five-star rating and some positive feedback uh, on your favorite podcast player so we can hear from you, and also so it helps us to reach new people as well. So thank you so much if you do that. We do notice when people do, and we are so grateful when it does happen, so thank you so much for that. SQPN also hosts uh, all of the shows, all of the Catholics of Oz episodes on YouTube. You can subscribe there and don't forget to hit the bell to get notifications when new episodes are released. So, Lino, let's get started with Faith Beyond Borders. Well, I'm actually feeling rather good about this. I think we've all arrived at a very special place, eh? Spiritually, ecumenically. How do you make somebody love you without affecting free will? Welcome to my world, son. You come up with an answer to that one, you let me know. Yes, I had to work very hard to pass Latin and theology. Oh, quite. Those are, of course, the most important things. Oh, yeah. I'd sit this one out, Cap. I don't see how I can. These guys come from legend. They're basically gods. There's only one god, man. And I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. So, Lino, uh, I've been going through the Plenary Council for the last, I think, three, four episodes now, just going through the decrees. <laughs> and Yes, you have, yeah. Yeah, and it may seem like an onerous thing uh, maybe to listen to or to talk about. Um, it, it has taken quite a lot of work and a lot of research and a lot of reading to, to do this, probably more effort than mm-hmm. I've had to put in for the podcast <laughs> in a while. Not that I don't okay. put effort in, but, you know, but, you know a bit more brain yeah, power well, than usual. Had to engage a few more brain cells than I normally might. Uh, <laughs> However, I think it's worthwhile uh, having the conversation about the plenary council, firstly in Australia, because th- this, you know, this is the future direction of the Australian Church for the next, you know, seventy to a hundred years at least, uh, you know, or maybe even longer than that. So it's really important that we have a look at well, what is the Australian Church discerning as its future, its future direction. The you know the the question that um that underpins this whole process that started just over five years ago now was how uh, can the church uh, reveal the face of Christ to Australia? Now I'm paraphrasing the question very poorly, but that's essentially it. How can the church look more Christ-like? We are a Christ-centered community of faith who's witness to the world's you know witness to to Australia, witness to Dufton in our local community. You know, we don't mean, but but our, our witness you know locally and internationally. Um, how can how can the Australian church be part of the church's mission here in Australia, but also for the world as well? So you need to reconfigure. The last plenary council was in the 1930s. So what they discerned, I mean, what they discerned was important for the church at that time. It was a pivotal moment for the church at that time. But what they discerned is not the context that we're in now. The, the world has changed so much since the 1930s. So um, discerning for, for now with today's problems, today's issues, today's where people's hearts are at, um, is really important. So I think I think it's been important just to keep the the conversation about the plenary council going. 
Um, it, it's not a thing where it's happened now, let it go, let's move on to the next project. The, the plenary council and its outcomes is the project, is the faith project for the next few decades um, and beyond for however long the next till we need another plenary council. So today, uh, what I wanted to do was actually wrap up the conversation. So I wanted to focus uh, a little bit more heavily on the eighth decree and then just combine the seventh, ninth and tenth one together um, because they're, they're important, um, but also a bit administrative, but uh, in my interpretation anyway, um, I don't want to belittle the importance of the seventh decree. It's still a very important one. Um, uh, however, uh, I'd like to just lean a little bit more to the eighth one. So uh, the eighth decree is called Integral Ecology and Conversion for the Sake of Our Common Home. So before it gets dismissed as, oh, this is just one on the environment. You know, the church is just going to say, buy solar panels for your parish and, and look, you know, and Whoa, hug a tree. Okay. <laughs> you know, that, that would not be a, a fair reading of what's going on here. So I think it's important before I even look at the document, which is, you know, it's not too long, so it won't take us long to get through it. I think it's important to say that, uh, that um, a theology of creation is foundational to our faith. I'll say that again. A theology of creation is foundational to our faith. And that is having an understanding of, of God's actions from the beginning that have led to you being here now. When I say you, I mean all of us. All right. Led to, led to, led to the you, the person you see in the mirror, all right, is here because of God's act, actions through creation, of creating and of continuing creation, of maintaining creation and being one with what, with what God has created. So uh, it's important for us because... We use creation in our prayer. We use creation in our liturgy. We use creation in our understanding of God. You can't, uh, you can't understand God if you don't understand that God is, God is a creative action as well as everything else. And not just that God created the planet that we live on, which is very important, but God created everything, everything that exists. And this is fundamental to our faith as well. So I'm going to make the case for that today. Um, by saying a couple of things about this document and adding a few thoughts. This is actually a topic I'm quite passionate about. Again, not because not because we need to all buy solar panels. I've actually got solar panels on my house, but, but you know. But we, not, haven't, we haven't yet. yet. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. I'm not going to guilt you into getting them. Or, you know, or not because not because you need to buy electric cars or start eating grass or anything like that. I don't know why I just said that. Yeah, but, you know, yeah. Right, but yeah mm, chlorophyll. Yeah, um, it's good for your skin. No, but, um, but, but it's, it's a lot more fundamental to our faith um, than that. So... So, first of all, um, the, the bishops start by talking about this. They say, As drought, uh, bushfires, floods, and extreme weather become more common in Australia, we realize the urgency of responding to our baptismal calling of taking up God's mission of love for the whole of creation. Our baptismal calling of following God's mission for the love of the whole of creation. So, that's the first, that's how it starts. So, notice that our love of creation of what God has created for us is linked to our baptism. It's part of our mission. So our mission, uh, we've talked about um, missionary discipleship in previous episodes and our mission to spread the good news and to, to you know, to all the, um, the faith and the works that we do, you know, as, as, um, as followers of God, uh, the, um, you know, the love of creation and the actions that come from that love of creation, are, you know, are, you know, are part of our baptismal calling. So it's not enough just to say we've got to look after the earth because that's a good thing to do. It's actually fundamental to our faith because it is looking after, it's looking after what God has created, what God loves, 
God loves what God has created, right? And so, so we need to love what God loves. <laughs> so, uh, so that so it's part of our baptismal calling. So, through um through Genesis, we see uh you know there's um in fact I'm just going to use a different reference for this. Um, in Genesis, uh, we t- we see this idea that God created and He called it good, and I think it's important to understand what is meant by and God saw that it was good. So you'll see in the first Genesis creation story, there, there are two. For those who didn't know, there are actually two creation stories in Genesis. In Genesis chapter 1, and then uh, in uh, sort of, uh, I think it's Genesis chapter 2, verse 4, where the second creation story starts. Look it up. Tell me if I'm wrong, all right? <laughs> but, I bet you, but I bet you I'm not, all right? And there's a whole reason for that too. However, uh, in the first creation story, it says, on the first day, God created this, and God saw that it was good. And on the second day, he created this and God saw that it was good. But, and, you know, and then he created human beings and he saw that they were very good. All right. So we see this narrative that's going on here. Right. It's quite, it's quite poetic and quite beautiful. Here's the key thing, right? The Hebrew word for good. So the word good, which has been translated from a Hebrew word into English for us to understand. The Hebrew word is tov, T-O-V. Right. That's, that's the word that's in, that's in, that's, um, that's the original intention of, of the, um, of the authors of Genesis. And Tov in Hebrew gives the sense of a phrase like, um, this will fulfill what it's been created to do, fulfill its function. So it's, it's good as in it is able to do what it's being created to do, right? So in the order of all created things, this thing will be able to do what it's being created to do. So that's a good thing, right? <laughs> so yeah, essentially, yeah. Or essentially, if you want to put a theology on it, this thing will be able to do its God-given purpose. So the sun will shine because, you know, you know, because it's been created by God and it fits within all of God's creation. And the plants will grow and fulfill their function as plants within God's creation. So everything God has established. So creation is established, and then we get to the sixth day, which is the creation of humanity, and we read that God called it very good. Now the Hebrew for this is tov miod. Okay, so the tov, T-O-V, and miod, M-E-O-D. And the connotation, the meaning, the, the expression of this is, this is the best of the very best of something that will be able to fulfill its function, you know, to fulfill what it's God's given purpose. If anything that's being created is the most capable of fulfilling its God-given purpose, it's human beings. They are tov miod. They are the best of the very best. So, and we, we see that, you know, and, and we see that the structure of that story um, you know, the first day, this second day, this human beings are on the sixth day. That is the pinnacle of creation. They're at the top of creation. So this is really important, right? So human beings are placed into the natural world because they are part of the natural world. We are part of the natural world. We have, you know, we have cells just like everything living has cells. We have, you know, um, we have, uh, you know, the atoms that, you know, have been ejected by stars and, you know, all, you know, everything's had from creation. We are actually part of this world. And so um, this is known as an integral ecology. So Pope Francis talks about this in Laudato Si, which I think everyone should read. So, um, so this integral ecology says that we are linked to all of creation, uh, just as God is uh, a loving God who, um, you know, who shows this interrelation of the three persons of God, you know, the Trinity, of love, you know, for them, and that love flows out into creation. We are called to replicate that love for, for creation that God has as well. So, creation, everything's been made, can't be separated from God. Uh, it is part of what God uh, has created, and therefore loves. 
and therefore we love as well. So that's why I say it's you know fundamental, foundational to our understanding of our faith as well. So um, yeah. So Pope Francis in Laudato Si had said uh, that's um, that uh, where is it? So sorry, I just I lost my spot. There we are. Okay, that uh, that through God, you know, there's this fertile connection between uh, care for our earthly home and the Trinitarian life of God. So um, uh, God uh, created the world according to a divine model, and that divine model is a web of relationships. Everything in nature is interrelated, as you know, and we are part of that relationship. We are actually really a really important part of of nature, part of our you know the the planetary ecosystem and everything. Uh, and in fact, you know, we're also related to wider creation as well, everything beyond Earth. So that, that's the important thing then is uh, if we have this connection to the planet and all of creation because God loves what God has created, then we have a responsibility for it as well. And the Catechism of the Catholic Church calls this stewardship. Uh, so a steward. So if you think of, so think of like, say, Lord of the Rings, right? So this is my example here, right? So think of okay, you know, that's all you good. know uh, Return yeah. of the King, you know, uh, Gondor, right? Which is the city that's opposite Mordor. Remember that? Uh, yes. I and it has a steward. It hasn't got a king. It has a steward until Aragorn exactly. returns as the king, right? Uh, which is king. rightful yeah, place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Shout out Lord of the Rings. Love you, by the way. So moving on. Um, <laughs> yeah. So um, the steward of Gondor, uh, he is looking after, you know, the the, the kingdom of Gondor um, and all of its surrounding cities until the king returns, right? Well, that's our stewardship. We are, we are given responsibility, as Genesis says, to keep until the earth uh, and to look after it. But it doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God. So we are looking after and cultivating what God loves. And the Catechism goes on to say that we are co-creators with God. So God started the act of creation. God maintains creation. And we continue creation through our actions as well. So exactly. we can, yeah, it makes so, sense. Yeah, yeah. So by our yeah. baptism, we love what God creates, and we enhance, you know, the, for the sake of all people's living and their needs, and and for the beauty of creation as well. The beauty is also fundamental to our faith. We continue it through what we create out of nature as well, which is why we have a responsibility to look after it and not to destroy it. So to use it sustainably for the, you know, and so on. And the other thing is, when we look after creation, it's also for the sake of all human beings too. So, you you know, if you see, for example, um, that human beings cause an environmental disaster, which leads to a lack of drinking water somewhere for for a group of people, or if, uh, you know, or if land is destroyed where people live, you know, or whatever else by human actions, that is anti-creation. That is anti, you know, that is working against God's creation. Whereas we enhance God's creation, you know, one for the, um, for the benefit of other human beings but also because creation is beautiful, it is a sign of God. It is a sign and a symbol of God's presence with us. This is what God created for us to live in out of love. So, so there's that too. The, uh, the, the last thing I'll say is, um, is that I said before that creation is part of our, our prayer and our ritual. So let's go to the liturgy, right? Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, through your goodness. We have this wine to offer. We have this bread to offer, right? Through your goodness, through your creation, we have these gifts to offer. Where, where do these gifts come from? They come from the earth. We are offering uh, God's creation back in love. Now, I'm going to see if I can quote this correctly because I'm doing it from my, from my head, but, and people can Google this as well. But the Catechism, in talking about the, the purpose of our life, 
says, Our purpose is to know, love, and serve God and offer the gifts of creation back to God in thanksgiving. So God has given us the means to, to show our, you know, to, um, to offer back in thanksgiving. And that is nature. We offer the bread and the wine, which represents the work of our hands, the work we're doing for God through our baptism. And God takes our gift and it becomes the body of blood of Christ. So God uses nature, the body and blood of Christ through the bread and wine and gives it back to us in relationship. Integral ecology, everything is related. Everyone is, you know, everything is interconnected by the Trinitarian love of God. The Trinity is love. God is love, as John says, and that love is shared with us in so many ways through creation. And what is our baptismal calling? Love God, love what God created, and and do what God asks us to do then naturally because of it. If God created it, we need to look after it. So, so there's your integral ecology. <laughs> there's there's a lot more we can say about it. Um, but it's such an important, such an important thing for us to remember. Um, and you know, it, it's devastating if we cut this integral ecology out of our faith. Um, if we let it be, you know, if we let it be um, shrouded or diminished by, you know, political squabbles or by ideological squabbles. And I'm not taking aim at any particular group because there are, there are groups that overemphasize the earth, and there are groups who underemphasize the earth as well. So we need a we need a, a moderate, balanced, tempered approach to our love of creation, and our baptism is the lens that we can look at, at creation through. God, you know, God loves us. Creation is a sign of God's love. We're co-creators with God in looking after creation. Dot 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 dot. All right. So um. So um. And I think the bishops capture this quite beautifully. Um. In, in uh. Or I should say, I think the plenary council delegates capture this quite beautifully in their um in this document here. So um, they talk about uh, the ecological conversion, uh, which is, again, which is everything I've just spoken about, awareness of creation through our baptism. Ecological conversion is both personal and communal, and therefore we must act to care for creation in ways that are both personal and communal. Such, such action will be informed by scripture, our theological tradition, Catholic social teaching, human knowledge, and scientific insight. In responding to these issues, we acknowledge the unique place and wisdom of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Um, and you can see that there's a, uh, in this document, there's a whole lot of things here about, about it then. So what the Plenary Council then calls for is for uh, the church in Australia, parishes, schools, every church organization to, to follow what's called the Laudato Si Action Plan. So my school has signed up to this. We, you know, we still have a lot of work to do because it's actually a it's actually a, I'd say, a lifelong process, to be honest. But the Laudato Si action plan is about our love of creation through our baptism, and therefore we do something about it. Therefore we do something about it. Now, that might include, you know, I jokingly said it before, but it could include the installation of solar panels, right? That's good for the earth. You know what I mean? Like the, the more... Uh, the more we can rely on renewable energy, the the less we need to dig things out of the ground and you know and destroy you know certain places of the environment. Is that uh, where yeah. um, um, climate change is is sort of so climate up, change? It, yeah, is an issue. But in, yeah. yeah, but you know, what I was thinking is is like when was this planetary council done? We were talking about this back in the what was it, Lindsay, thirties or forty? What, what was it? This talking this uh, whole planet planetary council was uh, talked so it, about. So the plenary council, the the current one, uh, is five, well. The process started five years ago, 
Um, oh, five years ago. Yeah. yeah but the yeah. church has, I mean, Pope Francis wrote Laudato Si' over, I think over a decade ago now. Oh, don't quote me if I'm wrong about yeah. that. Yeah. Or close to a decade now, at least. And I guess the, you know, oh, but yeah. the thing is, he's not the first one to talk about the environment. <laughs> you know, I, I can remember, say, yeah, I can remember say. a World Youth Day in 2008 when Pope Benedict was talking one of his sermons exactly. about looking after the earth as well. I feel he, like you're looking the, after the earth. Yeah, it's there's like, a tradition oh. of caring for the earth. Um, you know, now, definitely, definitely. You know, science tells us um, some of the issues that we have. You know, um, so uh, the human contribution to climate change. Again, we don't want to be fanatic about climate change. So, you know, some people no, go, no, go no, overboard no. about it. Um, yeah, exactly, and, exactly, exactly. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, we do need to be aware of our responsibility to make sure that climate change doesn't get out of control. Exactly. So, yeah. exactly. And I don't yeah. want to be a doomsday yeah. person or whatever, how, but the thing is we may not see the effects of climate change now, the, the human contribution to it, but if we have care for creation, if we have care for, for human beings, especially future human beings, like say our children and children's children and so on, children, we do children. need to make yeah, sure exactly. that what we leave for them is a sustainable earth. Exactly. Just, just exactly. like previous generations totally have left for us. Yep. We need to make sure yep. we hands yep. on an earth, uh, you know, and, you know, a universe <laughs> eventually, you know, but an earth well, that, um, true. Yeah, that, yeah. that they can live on, not one that's, that, that is, you know, that we've destroyed. Um, and, and, you know, I would exactly. say it's, in a way, there's a, there's a kind of sin here in, in misusing creation, especially in a way yes. that, that yeah. affects the lives of other people. We, other you know, people. we think about that too. Yeah, mm -hmm. understand, so, understand. Yep, yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, anything else you want to add? Because I've thrown a whole lot of comments about this, but anything no, else you no, want to no, add no, about? No. Yeah, uh, that, that, that came that, that came up pretty quickly about climate change and um, yeah, you know, how we have to look after the earth and everything. And mm -hmm. and we've been talking about this for how many years? And I think yeah. that's what the cry out from the public to our politicians. I'm not going to get pol political yeah. and he's all about that. Yeah, but people are trying to t t tell them if you don't do anything at now. This is going to happen. Mm. You need to get this done and everything. And of course, and some, in some countries and some other places, it, it just fell on deaf ears. Yeah. And now it, we need we need more. I think there's leadership happening. Mm. And there's things happening around that. And and our church has been talking about it for 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 ages. I mean, just yeah, yeah action needs to be happened. Our Pacific Islands neighbors, you know, to Australia, all these island nations are saying, please make sure that you are you know, doing something definitely. about climate change so that, you know, because if sea levels rise, they're in trouble. Oh, yes. Yeah, they're uh, in very big yeah. trouble. Um, Caritas yeah, yeah. Australia talks about climate refugees, and these are people whose homes are destroyed because of, you know, because of climate-related events. So, you know, th there is potential, uh, if sea levels were to rise, that, that there would be people that have no homes, our Pacific Island neighbours, for one, their homes would start to disappear as they went underwater. I mean, that would that would be a disaster. Um, and that again would be not looking after God's creation. That you know that would you know um, especially if if it was uh, you know if it was human uh, if it was human action that resulted in them losing their homes. So so this is why you know this is why we see for example pushes for renewable energy you know um, less you know less use of uh, say for example coal powered electricity and so on. Now uh, yeah now before people jump on me and say you're a greenie or whatever else <laughs> calm down. Uh -huh. <laughs> Here's yeah. what I'll say, right? Um, here's what I'll say. Yeah. Uh, I'm not for shutting down every single source of power generation before anyone goes crazy, right? What I am for is sustainable yes. uses of creating energy which uh, which don't affect or destroy the lives of other people. Because yeah. 
because if totally I because that, if yeah. I have the right to turn on a light switch and have lights in my house, other people have that right too. They they have a right to a home, you know, and a right to a, a safe place to live in that they can warm, heat, you know, light, um, have running water too. So they they also have a right to to be looked after by creation, just like the rest of us, like, and, or everyone. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. All right, and I think that's you know that that's just a I mean the catechism will back me up on that too in terms of looking after creation for the sake of looking after other people. Google it <laughs> anyway. So uh, so here's what the here's what the Australian Church has uh, has talked about as um as actions to follow up. So uh, there's one article and it says the following that witnessing to their communal and ecological conversion and the urgent need for action by 2024. So by 2024, emphasis there, each Catholic parish, diocese, eparchy, educational institution or organizations commits to joining the Laudato Si platform and by 2030 either develops its own or participates in an established Laudato Si action plan, which includes the following elements, a public commitment, a governance model, processes and procedures, a mechanism for listening to the ecological wisdom of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, developed in partner with Aboriginal Catholic Ministry and Diocese and Justice, ecology and peace bodies where they exist. So, for example, we've got Catholic Earth Care. We do have, we've got Aboriginal Catholic Ministry, all these um, great organizations that exist. Um, regular reporting on progress towards and accountability for defined goals and objectives and co-construction of, the, of those goals and objectives where uh, the people they are meant to support and serve. So, Basically, the church is saying, "Let's take action on this together." Now, yeah, uh, I, yeah. I, until it's it will be ratified. I mean, all of this will be ratified at some point by the Vatican, and once it is, we'll probably hear more from our you know our bishops in our diocese about what will happen. Because it could be, for example, um, let, let's look at Victoria, right? So we've spoken about take the way of the gospel before, and. And within that, we're talking about setting up missions of parishes. So you'll have, you know, maybe four or five parishes linked together in a mission. So the the question will be, um, and again, I'm not doing this to raise doubts because th- these are just questions that will be answered, you know, at some point in time, right? So the question will be is in the Archdiocese of Melbourne, will these mission parishes need to set up their own Laudato Si action plan when they sign up? Or will there be a dio- Archdiocesan-wide Laudato Si action plan where the archdiocese will say, uh, you know, all parishes need to um, do this, 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 and this. So, anyway, but we'll see. That's yeah. I'm not worried about that either way. I think both both are workable. Um, the the only thing is, uh, it requires commitment. This is the this is the big thing, right? Uh, yeah, following the Laudato action plan needs commitment. Um, the commitment of our baptism to love creation and do what's right. As a as um as a result of that, yeah, right. So there we go. That's uh that's um that's that decree. Any uh, thoughts you want to add before we finish up with that one and move on to the last three? Uh no no. I hope hopefully it all works out. You know, everyone works together to look after each other and especially looking after the earth. If we don't look look after the, <laughs> it's just, I don't know. Is it common sense? Maybe totally common look sense. After the earth, <laughs> yeah. Look after the earth, and the earth will look after us. Yes, yeah. it is God's creation. God made the earth for us to live on, and God gave us a pos- responsibility to look after the earth. And if we don't, <laughs> well, well, we'll, be, we'll be in trouble. And yeah. that's, and I may be thinking, I'm, I'm making a big pun here, Lindsay. I'm, I'm thinking out of the box, like as in 
space ex- exploration. Yeah. It means if we, if we do colonize other planets, they are God's creation and Correct. it's still our responsibility to look after. Yes. Be yep. it the moon, as we would, would talk about all soon enough, the yeah. moon, all of it. If we have, we have a responsibility to look after that because that's mm. God's creation. If we look after that, uh, that planet or where will we go? In a thousand years, a hundred years, mm. it's our responsibility to look after that, and they will look after us. That's that's, that's what I'm just thinking. Uh, mm. I think I mentioned a, a few episodes ago. We talked about the James Webb Space Telescope, remember? And I was saying, I was saying, I looked at the images, and I thought all I could think was, and God saw that it was good. Exactly. Tov. There we are, Tov. Ex- you know, yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. So fit within God's um, divine plan of you know the beauty of all creation. So yes, um, yeah, it is important for us to. As part of our baptism, to, it's not the only thing for us to to work on, you know. Our, but our baptism has a holistic sense of what is God's will for you know for our lives and for all of creation, and, and looking after the earth is part of that. Um, so, so look uh, again, I'm I'm approaching this from a theological perspective. I'm not linking myself to any you know radical you know approaches on either side of the political spectrum because I feel like they just don't they don't help the conversation at all what does help the conversation is a love for what god created and remembering that we are part of an integral ecology we are connected to everything and that includes what god has created and what and and god as well all of that exactly yeah exactly exactly i think that's a fear of some people um what we've been hearing and um mm-hmm. Talking to other people, you go, oh, I don't want us to colonize other planets and everything. I go, well, it, we are looking after our Earth, and we we mm. need to look after our Earth, and we must. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to sound like a politician here. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, look, we must look after our Earth, and yeah. that, that's our main um role mm. at the moment. Yeah, and it will never end. Yes, I just hope and pray it doesn't ever end. Even though we do um go and um explore and colonize mm. and and live in other planets, but it it. We look after our own planet, but we look after everything yeah. that God has created. That's all yes. I'm saying. That's what I'm yep. saying, yeah. Yeah, no, mm. good one. All right, um, I'll just uh, quickly wrap up the this discussion of the Plenary Council by going through um, three documents. Now, it won't take as long as... When I say three documents, it sounds like it's here forever. It actually won't take as long as it is. <laughs> so, uh, very quickly, I'm actually going to go... So, I just spoke about the eighth decree on integral ecology. Now, I'm going to go to the seventh one to take a step backwards. I think the seventh, ninth, and tenth are kind of related in a sense. Um, but the seventh one is called At the Service of Communion, Participation, and Mission. And it's on the issue of governance, that is the leadership of the church at the highest levels of each diocese, so uh, you know, and governance in all areas as well. So essentially, um, they're talking about uh, the governance of the church should be uh, should be influenced by this notion of synodality. Again, synodality taking the way together, you know, following God together. So it says in baptism, the Holy Spirit gives believers, and therefore the whole church a special gift so that together they can faithfully interpret and live the Christian gospel in the diverse circumstances of history and culture. So um, the Spirit enables ongoing discernment of the signs of the times in the light of the gospel. All baptized participate in the three offices of Christ as priestly, prophetic, and royal people. So basically uh, what's uh, being said here is that uh, we need to ensure that we have a, a synodal way of doing church into the future. Um, Pope Francis called for it. We have a synod on synodality that's um, that's uh, in the process of unfolding and happening soon enough. Um, and it says here, the practice of synodality requires greater transparency in decision-making and the overcoming of a culture of clericalism that promotes privilege and enables the abuse of power. So clericalism is kind of the idea that um, 
that all of the power of the church belongs to um, you know ordained people, you know priests and 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 bishops and whatever. Uh, in the sense that uh, you know, I should say that that they're a source of power, right? But actually, the source of power is God, and all of us are at God's service. Um, that's also to say, though, not to diminish the role of priests or diminish the role of the Pope or anything like that. Like they're just common people that, you know, by their baptism and, you know, by their sacramental ordination, they have a special role within the church that needs to be cherished and, and, and treasured and loved. But at the same time, not to say, you know, not to say that, um, you know, not to treat like, you know, the Pope or a priest like they're God themselves, if that kind of makes sense. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Because, yeah. because that kind of power for anyone, lay people as well, can actually be quite dangerous. Um, and, and we can see, and let's look in Australia, but that kind of power led to the cover-up of child sexual abuse in the church. In Australia. I'm only speaking for Australia. All right. But, but that, that's what power did. Um, so, synodality means that there's more transparency. Synodality means that there is more working together, co-responsibility, that we are working in partnership with our priests, you know, with our religious, uh, you know, with our Pope and our bishops and so on. Um, and, and yeah, and let's talk about this. Archbishop Commonsoli has been on this show before. That to me is, is synodality, you know, that he's, he's not a king on a throne. <laughs> he, he, he moves amongst the people. He moves amongst his flock. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Um, and we sit with our own parish, you know, we've been blessed with some great parish priests over the last few years, um, you know, from our, our older father, Michael, to our younger father, Michael, <laughs> to our current father, John. Again, um, uh, people, they, they move amongst the people, you know, they, they make decisions because they have to. That's fine. Anyone in leadership like they are has to make decisions. But the thing is, uh, from what I've seen from all of their processes, their decisions is about the faith of the people. It's it's their sacramental stance on you know from their ordination, um, on on well, on their sense of God as well, and I think discerning that together, lay people as priest, prophet, and and you know royal priest, royal people, as well as you know working with our with our clergy and so on, this is the way forward is is synodality, doing it together. So um, so yeah, th- there's that point there, and uh, at, as Vatican II Pope Francis have emphasised, the practice of synodality is integral to the Church's discernment of what the gospel demands in particular circumstances and to what pastoral action is required to serve for the good of all. So uh, the church made a number of decrees and articles about that, but some of it involves uh, reviewing and seeing uh, and seeing how this process unfolds. But, uh, pardon me, but a, a, um, a commitment to synodality throughout all levels of the church. That's hard to do because people are different and everyone's got different opinions and, and people are influenced by things that are outside of the church as well. And that can make things very, very challenging. However, yeah, however, um, uh, you know, this is a commitment that we have to make again through our baptism, all right, to, to follow the way of synodality, which is to follow the way of God, really. Okay. So again, yeah, living up to our baptism. So I'll just whip through these last two very quickly. The ninth decree is about the implementation of the plen- of all of the things that we've gone through over the last few episodes about the plenary council. So, ha- um, so ensuring it's effective, accountable during the implementation phase, and the implementation phase, they say, will take place over a period of five years. So, over- so once the Vatican gives the seal of approval and ticks off all of the decrees that we've spoken about, um, over a period of five years, uh, we'll see the implementation of it happening. And there'll be reports and processes to to map and gauge the implementation as well, and uh, and there'll be an interim report in 2023, 
um, and 2025 to see how the implementation is going. And there'll be a final review uh, in 2027 to speak about how the implementation has gone. So um, there's a commitment to that. And then the 10th decree is simply to say that the um, all the decrees from the uh, from the fourth plenary council from the 19, uh, 1930s has now been superseded by the decrees of the current plenary council of 2022. I hope I got that right. Numbers. Yeah. Okay. Very it's good. Like a, yeah. Like a very, like a, maybe a patron update. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, yeah. It's like a patron update. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah it's like a revised yeah. version and yeah. seeing where we can have, um, um, bring the church a bit closer in, in, yes. in, in all the plans and everything. Yep. Yep. So it. true. Yep. Yep. And it is about Pope John the 23rd in the second Vatican council. When he called it, said we need to read the signs of the times and the decrees of the 1930s were good for the context in which well, we took this of this before. We're good for that context. Not so good for this context. Uh, there was a thing now I know it was taken, I've, it was taken out of context, but there was this thing about, um, you know, priests can't go to the movies. I know I'm actually oversimplifying. It was not as bad. As, yeah. 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 All right, yeah I mean, yeah. but the intention of whatever that original decree was, has no bearing or sense in what, you know, in, in today's, you know, context. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's an extreme example, but, um, but we take the faith of our we take the faith of our fathers, right? The, the previous Australian, you know, church leaders of that time, and in gratitude they've led and stewarded the church. You know, um, and, you know they've done well. They failed like everyone does. You know, and but they've led the church through a particular era. Now it's time for this generation of leaders and this generation of lay people to to lead the church through the next, you know, the next stage of of the joys and difficulties of of life in Australia as well. Boom! That was yep. my political speech. How was that? Thank you. Thank you. I want to thank my mum and Elvis for, no. <laughs> yeah, for the inspiration. For that. Thank oh, you very no, much. Sort of soap, no, sort of soap, soap box again. So, yeah. Come no, on. no, no soap boxes. Yeah, I'll, I'll put okay, it away okay. now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Lido, Lido, any final thoughts about the Plenary Council before we officially wrap up this topic and leave it to the next generation of Catholics of Oz podcasters to take it on <laughs> 20 years no, from now? <laughs> 20 years from now. Yeah, I, I believe it's going to um, do work well. You know, everyone's going to, if they, everyone works together and and through the, um everything that goes through with it i i, I think it'll do well i don't think it'll do well and of course we i like to like we i think we talked about it before i like to see the aboriginal and torres strait Islander community be involved in this as well it's yes. great to see that too yes yes you know, i'm not sure if there was that was that was that integrated into the 1930s? No, 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 no. I don't want to. Uh, go there, I haven't no. done enough homework on it to know, to be honest. I yeah. don't want to. Okay, okay. Oh, good. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. I'm just saying that it's good to see. But that definitely very integrated into this one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 A lot more involvement of um, yes, uh, different cultures in it, and yeah. I think it will be well. It'll be done done very well. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, I think the commitment to it through our baptism is very important. And everyone's exactly. going to have different opinions within the church, and that's fine. We're a big family. We're very broad. We're very different. We have different contexts in different parts of Australia. But the important thing is, let's remember who we follow first and follow him faithfully. That's the that's the key thing. All right. So that's uh, that's the plenary council. We could uh, officially decree that this discussion on the plenary council is now closed. It's although ongoing, well although ongoing, ongoing, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, yes, uh, said, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's a wrap up of it. And we'd love to know what anyone thinks about um, about the Plenary Council in Australia. Is your church doing anything around the world that's similar and going through a similar process, discussing synodality, anything like that? What's been good? What's been not so great about it? 
We'd love to compare experiences and hear from you. Or if you're in Australia, if you're in the part of the Australian church, what is the plenary council meant to you? What, what do you see as great about it? What are your concerns? What are you not too sure about as well? We'd love to know. We're a community in this podcast and, uh, you know, and we all follow, again, the same person and we want to hear as people of faith what your thoughts are. Okay, with that, let's talk about science. Ah, what a fine day for science. You have any hobbies? I collect spores, molds, and fungus. Can you reverse the polarity? I'll do my best. All right, so here we are into uh, episode two or three of me, of us, I should say, doing Caroline's <laughs> yes. bravely venturing into this bravely. world of science, you know, dipping our toes Boldly in. Boldly go where no podcasters have gone before. Maybe, I don't know. Don't Except sense several anymore. have, but where, where, we definitely don't, <laughs> where we don't normally go every week ourselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. That's true. So until Caroline returns, we're taking stewardship of, uh, of, of this particular Whoa, segment. Yeah, you know. different stewardship. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, bring the queen a, back. Yeah. Bring the queen back. Yeah, um, but this is a fun one. Last time we spoke about chewing, and that was a, there was a bit of work in. Okay, in, that was cool. That was cool. You know, I love in that. digesting that information. But uh, this <laughs> yes, time around, <laughs> but this time around, this is a fun one. All right, this let's delve into the world of space robots. <laughs> How about that, mm. space robots. So, um, firstly, an older one, Lino, uh, and this is from space dot com, uh, it, and it was written in May. Meets the Astro Bees. These tiny cube-shaped robots, yeah, have uh, have Ooh. arrived in space. So back in May, um, the uh, a Northrop uh, Grumman Antares rocket launched, um, you know, lots and lots of equipment to the International Space Station and supplies and so on. But amongst all of those supplies were two little robots called Astrobees. Now these, uh, I've got a picture of one in front of me. They are so. They're so cute, to be honest. They're really cool, right? <laughs> it's a, they are. They're, they're like yes. a, yeah. Uh, they're like about the size of a loaf of bread. Um, it's a cube. Okay. Yeah. And uh, they've got two, they look like eyes. They actually look like they've got eyes. It's a touch screen with two dots on it and where, and there's a camera integrated and everything. And it's just floating around in the International Space Station doing its thing. And they float around. They've got fans and that's how they move around. But they're these little autonomous robots that can float around the International Space Station and, and do work, which is really cool. Nice. So, uh, yeah. As it says here, they look like something out of a science fiction film. Oh, definitely. If any, yeah. If any of them speak to you and call you Dave, get out of there. All right. So just yeah. <laughs> if it says like, "I'm sorry, Dave, get out, get out." All right. Otherwise, well, they that haven't. Yeah. Um, that's that uh, what's it called? Um, oh, now I just went blank. Um, <laughs> Space Odyssey. That one. Space Odyssey. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. All right. I thought it was I Alien, but then for some no. reason, I oh, know that's no, a different alien. one. That's a different guy. No, Alien had the androids. The yeah. Androids. Yes. Sorry, my bad. My bad. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, let's not talk about the horror of AI going wrong. Oh, but it's sorry. A thing no, 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 no. Yeah. Let's talk positive with some yes. good robots. Follow me if you want things. to live. Anyway, so... Oh, um, anyway. <laughs> anyway, that aside, um, <laughs> these little... Uh, they're, they're little cube-shaped robotic devices, and they're like free-flying machines. Uh, they are entirely functional bots that have joined the crew aboard the International Space Station. And, um, and there'll be a third one. If it's not up there already, there's a third one that's going to be joining them as well. But they are going to um, cool. help the so astronauts cool. with routine everyday tasks. 
One of their cool. purposes, yeah, one of their purposes is to reduce the amount of time that astronauts need to spend on mundane tasks, like for example, finding a lost piece of equipment. They can do it for them. Um, oh wow! Yeah. Oh come on, we need but, one of them at home. Yeah, it's like uh, Astro B, I left my wrench on the floor. You know, can you go get it for me? <laughs> um, oh, my pen fell over. He's gone. Oh, not my pen. It's floating away. Yeah, that's oh, right. Well, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. sorry. Yeah, floating away. Yeah. Can you find my wow. phone for me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey Siri. Yeah. Hey Siri. Yeah. That's right. Oh. Uh, I better not say wow. that too loud, okay. actually, because I said uh, it I just didn't say yeah. now my, my phone <laughs> off by accident. Yeah. Oh, go, 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 go. All good, all good. Um, sorry, sorry, guys. That's all right. <laughs> These little robots can uh, contain multiple science payloads, uh, and they can collect data as they float around. On the, so they can do science while they're working as well, while they're floating around the station. Nice. Um, oh, cool. So, yes, like I said, they have a, a set setup of different electric fans, which can help them to navigate and float around the space station. And they have sensors that will help them to detect danger, dangers like uh, radiation, carbon dioxide, and more as well. They oh, have wow. cameras um, built into the front to help them see as they move around the space station. And they have a perching arm, which allows them to grab handrails or grab and hold items. Um, it is a limited capacity to, to grab things. Um, however, this is just the beginning. Of, you know, it's like this is like level one of what these robots will be able to do later on in the future. So they can function autonomously. They can also be controlled by the astronauts. And they can also be controlled by flight controllers and researchers back on Earth as well. So they're pretty flexible oh, in, in what they can do. Oh no! I can imagine one of the guys <laughs> down down here doing a, like a prank on the poor astronauts. Yeah, top. Just I can I can, I can imagine on the pranks. Like, yeah, yeah, pre- yeah. Just pranks on them. You know, hey, yep. get this robot to drop drop a pen on the guy's head. Yeah, <laughs> something silly. Or float it towards their head. Like, yeah. Yeah, 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 right to their face. Or, like, ah! or, or to float up to them while they're sleeping and go, "I'm sorry, oh, Dave." Okay. <laughs> Oh I'm sure they've done it already. Yeah, I think you've probably done a little practical jokes for that there. So, yeah. yeah, cool, cool, cool. Um, <laughs> so they also think that once the Astro Bs become advanced enough, so future iterations, they'll actually be able to maintain spacecraft in the future. So to cool. imagine yeah. that human beings don't always have to be on the International Space Station, or if there's a spacecraft taking supplies to Mars, the Astro B, that you don't necessarily need people to be on board, the Astro B could maintain systems and things like that. Um, while, while the spaceship is flying. Um, so, the t- yeah, the team is looking at developing further capabilities. So it says here, on future spacecraft, robots like Astrobees could someday monitor the ship for problems and maintain onboard systems, even if astronauts aren't present, as I was saying before. Uh, so in addition to transporting experiments on the space station and helping maintain the station, they'll help researchers to learn more about how astronauts and robots can work together in space. So this could inform future long-term missions, long-term space travel, where more advanced robots are helping to assist and also cohabitate with humans on these long journeys. So when looking at the new astrobees, it's clear that to see why researchers might be interested in how astronauts interact with them. They look like futuristic sci-fi companion robots, and they even have names. So to finish off, they have names. So the yellow one is called Honey. The blue one is, is called yep. yeah. All right, the blue one's called Bumble, and the third green one uh, is called Queen. So there we okay, are. Okay, uh, makes yeah, sense. We have three little astro astro bees floating around. Um, they remind me of I don't know if anyone were they remind me of exocomps, which are these uh, robots from Star Trek: The Next Generation, which became part of like comedic parody on um, what's it called on Lower Decks. Oh. So if you remember oh, Peanut yeah. Hamper, yeah. So yes, Peanut Hamper yeah. is like is a yeah is a one of those yeah. Um, okay, okay. They remind me a little bit about that of those. Yeah. Cool, uh, cool. So um, they again they have microphones as well, so that um, they can hear and uh, and so that um, people can talk into them and communicate as well. But they have lights to tell you when the when cameras and uh, microphones are on as well, so that um, 
they know they're not being eavesdropped on or anything like that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, that's so, so cool. That's the first. Uh, that's the first robot, right? The second one is not so much a robot that can fly around. It's a. It's a device. It's also cube shape, about the size of a loaf of bread, and it's very cool. This one is called Moxie, and Moxie right now is creating Earth. Uh, sorry, is creating oxygen on Mars, which is awesome. Cool. So wow. I love this one. This was actually contributed by Caroline. She shared this with this one with us. Yep. So yep. Caroline, yep. thank yep. you for this because it's such a great story. So um, this story is from the Smithsonian Magazine, and it says if humans are going to travel to Mars, they'll need to get oxygen from somewhere. So compared to Earth's atmosphere, which is 21% oxygen, Mars is just 0.16% oxygen. So not not good enough for humans. No, no, definitely not. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So uh, these lunchbox-sized instruments called MOXIE, there's one of them that's actually on board NASA's Perseverance rover. We did an episode on the Perseverance rover last year when it it, uh, successfully landed on Mars. Um, and it's still there, isn't it, Lynn? Still, yeah, still there, still doing, doing it, rolling still around, doing, doing science doing and launching a drone and awesome. things like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, nice, But nice. MOXIE is one device that's actually attached to it, and it has been creating oxygen, breathable oxygen, on Mars. So it successfully produced oxygen um, in seven different tests that were conducted in 2021, uh, according to a paper that was published recently in the Journal of Science Advances. So if astronauts were to go to Mars, they'd need oxygen to breathe. But they also need oxygen to fuel rockets too. So, for example, we use liquid oxygen as part of the fuel of rockets here on Earth. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah. However, however, they would need four times the liquid oxygen to lift off from Mars's atmosphere. Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah, makes sense. so they do need to generate a lot of oxygen on Mars if there's to be a successful human presence, but also a space program of going there, launching from there, and so on. You know, if someone goes there we need to have the capacity to return them as well. It's not, it shouldn't be a one-way exactly. trip. A one-way yep. trip, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, this, uh, this uh, instrument uh, would produce oxygen cheaply uh, and would be a very efficient way to do that. So MOXIE, or the Mars Oxygen in C2 Resource Utilization Experiment, uh, was able to produce six grams of oxygen per hour during the test. So that's about the rate of a small tree. Right, so a, a small tree's worth of oxygen per per hour, which is a good start. It's a step. It's yep. a step. It's a yep. good step. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So mm-hmm. it makes oxygen by compre- compressing and heating carbon dioxide from Mars's atmosphere to about eight hundred degrees ish uh, Celsius or fifteen hundred degrees Fahrenheit if you use Fahrenheit as your measurement. And it, uh, what that does is it causes the um, carbon dioxide to split into oxygen ions and carbon mon- carbon monoxide. Then the device recombines the oxygen ions to make breathable and combustible oxygen gas. So the, um, and the byproducts from this are not harmful to the Martian atmosphere. So it's also very sustainable. So oh, there you um, go. Yep. So it's really sustainable. good. Yeah, we talked about care for creation. Yeah, so there you go. Um, so with these experiments, MOXIE has proven it can work reliably. Um, across a variety of tests, the device produced the total of 100 minutes worth of breathable oxygen uh, during all those tests. So one astronaut would have 100 minutes of breathable oxygen from what has managed to happen so far. It performed it performed predictably during day and night in different extreme temperatures and following a dust storm, so that was good. So the only thing that they need to demonstrate now is how it would run at dawn or dusk when the temperature change is substantial. So this is yeah, the next... Yeah, that's right. Yep. That's, oh, right. So temperatures do change even when... Oh, yeah, Mars, okay, yeah it's, um, it's, it, it can be very extreme. 
And so gotcha. they need to they need to see how it works in these extreme changes if they want it to be a, a sustainable, usable thing uh, in, into the future on Mars. Exactly, exactly. So in order to make enough oxygen to support a mission to Mars and send people back, uh, MOXIE would need to create at least uh, about, I think this worked out to about three kilograms. I'm, I'm converting pounds here. So it says 4.5 4. to 6.5 pounds. So that's three to five kilograms of oxygen which would require scaling things up by several hundred times. So it needs to be a hundred mm. times, we need to work a hundred times you know, faster or be a hundred times, you know, yeah. not larger, but you know, wow. it needs to be scaled but up quite significantly. Exactly, it would be, yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. what they're doing now is working on a device that's about a cubic meter in size. So they're, they're upscaling now to move to the next stage of testing. So the bigger device to support a human mission would need to be running continuously for 400 days. Uh, on Mars, so, yeah. So it's got to it's got to run a lot. So um, that's a lot of hours to put on the hardware. It says, irrespective of what the technology is. Oh so the, yeah, it, definitely. It needs, yeah. And this is technology that needs to work continuously for four hundred days on Mars in a different, you know, so in different um, in different conditions. So not conditions not on Earth. and stuff. Yeah. Oh no, no, no! Wow. Okay. So so um, the scientists that we interviewed said that scaling up the technology shouldn't be too difficult. Um, But they said there are challenges that do need to be managed. Um, So, for example, a larger device's internal temperature, if it's larger, it's going to get warmer. So it needs to, the temperature needs to be uh, monitored and maintained as well. So NASA is testing the new hardware for this larger version. And uh, the future, it says here, the future MOXIE is the one that really counts. So the researchers say it will lay the groundwork for future space travel. Um, And so... Uh, and it says this is what uh, explorers have done since time immemorial. They find out what resources are available, where they're going, and then find out how to use them to continue the work that they're doing. They're doing, yeah, yep. yeah. So, what do you think about wow. those uh, those robots? Oh, it's interesting. Both of them are doing great things in space. I like it. I like yeah. it. Um, the Astro bees are nice and cute, and you know, do everything. For they them. are very cute. They're, they're cute little. You can hold them in your hand. They're so cute. <laughs> <laughs> and it's very and it's. The news about the um, what's it? What do you call it? Sorry, the the Moxie, 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 yeah. <laughs> Moxie, and Astro Bees. Moxie sounds a, an awesome um, uh, device to bring um, make um oxygen on on Mars, and it's it's step. It it has to take time. Uh, like I'm excited. I wanted to know how it's going to go through. Yes, yeah. But it has to take time to see how we go. But um, yeah, it was so good. And so how good. a larger yeah. Moxie would function, that would be cool too. To, yeah, yeah, in the future, exactly. Yeah, when they scale up, exactly. Yeah, yep, yep. So, so right. wait, is Moxie yeah. in the um rover now, Lindsay? Moxie, Moxie is in the Perseverance rover right now, making oxygen on yeah. Mars. Okay, yeah. then. Yeah. Oh, okay, or has been, okay, yeah, okay. in several experiments. Yeah, which is very okay, cool. Okay, okay. Yeah, cool. cool, uh, cool the cool, other thing to cool. mention is uh, just very quickly on, on slightly different, well, still space related news. So recently, uh, we spoke about the Artemis One mission and our excitement about it, and. Artemis One is still on Earth <laughs> at time of recording. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, as as the administrator of NASA said, this is a new rocket. It's a new vehicle. So, of course, there are going to be teething problems. Uh, you know, it's going. To, I mean, if you if you want to see how you know issues with a, a a new rocket, look at the development of Starship. You know, there are explosions going on everywhere as they you know as they succeed. They call it failing upwards, right? So as they fail, they yes. learn new things and they well, eliminate they that to. failure and yeah. then work on the next one. So. Yeah, so SLS, you know, again, the, the most powerful rocket in human history at the moment, um, is going to have a lot of failure points as it as it goes along. And um, and before the show, Lino and I were talking about this rocket launches, uh, you know, and new rockets. Part of the journey is expecting that there's going to be a scrub. 
it's going to happen. Scrub. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It would be cool if they exactly. launched when, you know first time when they said they would. But scrubs are part of normal operations. Yeah, That's, yeah part they of have the journey. To be there. It's part of the journey. It is. It is. It is. If if you don't, if you think it's yeah, what's that saying, Lizzie? If it if it's too true, it probably is. Uh, if it's remember, if it's um sounds, too good to be true, it probably true. is. Yeah, yeah, probably is. Yeah. 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 So yeah. So the expectation <laughs> of a launch the first time. Look, I kind of thought it would launch the first time, um, but I hadn't realized that they hadn't done full wet dress rehearsals yet, which is where they where they flood all the tanks. You know, they run all the ox- the um the fuels through all the pipes and tanks and whatever else and. And then, yeah, and then check the three instruments to see if it went well. So the full wet dress rehearsal, a couple of cracks appeared in the foam, which is normal. Uh, there's a foam you know, casing to cool the, the, the middle tank. So a couple of cracks appeared, um, which wasn't too big of a deal. There was a pipe that, that leaked, that was leaking um, hydrogen, I think it was. And they had a, there was a, um, the third engine, there was a sensor that failed and they couldn't tell if the engine had cooled properly because you have to cool the engines to a particular temperature otherwise they will basically you know they'll crack explode break get damaged when when um when they are flooded with with um with you know the cold fuel that that's needed to ignite and you know make flamey things happen yeah yeah so um anyway we follow the artemis journey with hope and uh looking forward to see it uh, so i think the next possible launches will be towards the end of september or uh, sometime in October. So we'll just wait and see what NASA tells us about um, when they have a fixed date in time. And cool, 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 NASA, cool. I'm just, just saying, it. I like the 10.30 p.m. I'm cool with that. Not oh, so it's cool with it. for us, is it? Well, for it was, Australia. yeah, the first well, attempt. The second attempt, however, was 4.15 in the morning on, on Sunday. Um, not so cool with that one. Anyway, but, yeah. uh, you okay. know, either way, I don't care what time. I'm waking up to watch this thing. I want to see, you know, as they say, <laughs> let's light this candle. I want to see it go, so... Yeah, <laughs> exactly, it's, and exactly. it's history. I love watching historical, you know, historic things. You know, yeah, as in, yeah. as in, you know, historical moments, not disasters necessarily, but but key moments where human beings have done something pretty cool. You know, that that advances humanity. So there we are. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Cool, 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 cool. All right. Well, let's move on and uh, let's talk about entertainments. Not what we came here to do. No. It's what I'm going to do. I have a plan. You've got a plan. I have part of a plan. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? So, uh, Lino, do you mind if I start this one off? Definitely, mate. You're definitely. You're good. You're good. I have been watching The Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power which is the series on Amazon. Um, it is, you can tell it's a very expensive series because it looks stunning. I think, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think it's competing with the new Game of Thrones. So yes. House of Dragons. Yeah, I was yeah. reading, um, I read this review in a newspaper and it said, um, it said the Lord of the Rings series um, is, you know, so much money has been spent on it and it looks so spectacular that it makes House of the Dragon look like it was made in Minecraft. <laughs> Oh that's, <laughs> that's, oh, that's not nice. Yes. I'm sorry. Now, yeah. Now, I haven't that's watched House of the nice. Dragon. I, so, each one's their own, right? But uh, I watched a couple of seasons with my wife of, um, of uh, what is it, Game of Thrones. And, yeah, we struggled to watch it. The, the, you know, again, the, the acting was great. The characters are good. The story's compelling. Great fantasy-looking series. 
However, there were just things that we, and people will know what I'm talking about. There were just things that we weren't comfortable watching. It's like, you know, yeah, I have definitely. to watch, I have to watch this in order to get to that, you know, and there's just some disturbing stuff. That it's like, mm, all right, you know what? Okay. It's, okay. Someone's going to watch okay. it, but it, it's just not oh, going to be us. Yeah. <laughs> we and have. You, yeah, yeah. We watched you, the whole thing, but yeah, you've gone through the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah look, yeah. I, I totally understand. I, yeah. I totally understand. Yeah. And again, each one to their own. People people can make their own judgments about whether it's worth watching. So I haven't really watched um, House of the Dragon just because I'm I'm guessing it's going to be fairly similar. Almost <laughs> the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, I thought, yeah. uh, you know, I, I want something a bit more uplifting and positive and, uh, you know, things like that. And look, thankfully, House of the... Not House of the Dragon. Um, the Rings of Power, I think, has been quite positive in in what it's doing. So let me plug very, very quickly that SQPN uh, has a brand new show called The Secrets of Middle-Earth. Now, it's not brand new by the time people listen to this. Uh, it'll be about... It, it, they probably would have discussed the first four to five episodes by the time this this show come, this episode comes out. However, um, what I love uh, is that uh, with the Secrets of Middle-Earth podcast, which is led by Dom um, and some, some really great panellists, they're all fans. They've all read The Lord of the Rings a heck of a lot more times than I have. They've gone oh, through too. the Cimmerillion and, you know, they've got, oh, wow. they, know the, they know the lore of, um, lore, L-O-R-E, of, um, of uh, Lord of the Rings really <laughs> yeah. well. And yeah. I've been learning a lot from listening to them because, you know, they, they have hopes, you know, based on what they've listened to. Um, and, you know, they've been talking about, uh, the thing is, what I love is because there's been a lot of commentary about the show that's been really unhelpful and, quite frankly, dishonest okay. and disappointing online. It just, oh, just oh, nonsense. About the show itself. Yeah, from people who call themselves true fans, right? But you're not a true oh, fan. Oh, true fan. Let's, let's, you know, sorry oh, about this. You're not a true fan fans? if you prejudge it, all right? If you prejudge it and say it's going to be terrible. I'm sorry, but that's not what a true oh, fan does. okay, then. I, yeah. I, I thought that they've watched yeah. it. No, and these are people who didn't watch it, you know, and, and have said, oh, it's going to be rubbish. And you're not a true fan if you write a review because you want to hate it. Uh, so you write what? a negative review because you want to hate it. That's hate, not true yeah, fandom, that, right? That's not a true that, fandom. That stuff nah, nah, hurts nah, nah, fandom. Nah. It, it, it hurts fandom. Um, oh, sorry. I, I'm I think, sorry. I'm going to say it, but you, yeah. those are trolls. I, yeah. gonna, I don't know what it even or is. It is but, <laughs> or Orokai. Or I don't know. One of the, <laughs> yeah. Or Balrogs. I don't know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. A negative yeah. person that brings in a thing. Yeah. No, no, so, no, no. So look, no, no. people, please. I mean, open mind when you're yeah, watching yeah, it. Yeah. Now, there are people exactly. who don't like it for legitimate reasons, right? And, and, and I've, uh, those criticisms are good. Um, but what I like about Secrets of Middle Earth is that they've talked about the things that they like, the concerns that they have, and it's objective and balanced all the way through. So what I'm getting at is... If you'd like an objective, balanced podcast on Lord of the Rings, Secrets of, you know, <laughs> not Secrets of, sorry, Lord of the Rings and Rings of Power, the yeah. Secrets of Middle Earth podcast is a great companion podcast to listen to as you watch each episode. So, because what I like is that they notice things that um, that are references that I don't always understand. So I've got, I, I've understood, yeah. th there are references that I've yeah. understood just from my, just from some of my knowledge of the extended Beyond the Lord of the Rings, um, you know, uh, story. Although, again, I haven't really read. I've just sort of researched a little bit because I, I thought it was cool, you know, to find out a bit more. Um, so it's really good. I, I like uh, I, I like the, the links that the series is setting up. I like that um, the panel on Secrets of Middle Earth are saying, oh, yeah, this is probably going to lead to this. This is what they're getting at. Um, so I like their analysis. And they've talked about things that they like. They've talked about the departures from the the lore of the story that the writers might have taken, you know, taking things in different oh. directions, which are which are interesting or sometimes concerning. But the okay, thing is, they then. haven't okay. they haven't gone ahead and said. 
this series is dumb. <laughs> you know, like it's rubbish. <laughs> yeah, they, oh wow! Uh, they, yeah. They've done. I, I'm really enjoying the commentary. So, so thank you to Dom and the panel for giving me a, a place of refuge from all the crazy commentary that's out there about this series, where I can just enjoy Lord of the Rings fans. You know, just sharing their passion for for Lord of the Rings and um, and applying that passion to this show. For me, I I'm actually really enjoying the show. Okay. I, I'm, okay. I, okay. I love the characters. I love the story. I love the look of it. Um, and just as a fantasy show itself, now maybe if it takes departures from some of Tolkien's, you know, what he set up as some of the lore and the history, all right, that's fair enough. But just as a fantasy series, I'm enjoying it a lot. I think it's really good. I, I like the character. I like where they're going with it. I've seen three episodes now. Um, and I love, cool, the, cool. I love the pointing to things that we know from the hobbit and lord of the rings as well yeah it's okay point, then you know, that makes sense it, it's clearly pointing to at some point the creation of the rings you know it's clearly pointing to to the secret activities of sauron and you know and yeah. the, and the future establishment of mordor and things like that I, I, you know or should i say mordor as they talk you know <laughs> I, you know um you know, the links to, you know, there are links to Gondor, which doesn't exist at this time, but there are links to its foundation. Gondor, yeah, Gondor, yeah, was Gondor like, is the city. You know, remember uh, we just talked before about Return oh of the King me. and the steward of Gondor and all that. Yeah, this yep. is, um, Gondor features more, more prominently in Return of the King in the third, third book exactly. of the film. Yeah. Exactly, and, exactly. Mm. Yeah, and what I'm really loving as well is I've, I've, I texted you about this. I've been listening to Andy Serkis's reading of Lord of the Rings, like just slow, just in 10 minute spots here and there. And the first one, the first book is 20 hours of reading on its own. So, <laughs> and some of the chapters are <laughs> okay. about an hour, you know, worth an of reading. But I'm loving listening to that and watching the series at the same time because these little links pop up here and there, you know, and, and, um, and the series for me is actually enhancing. Uh, my my love and my understanding of of the Lord of the Rings um text as well. So I'm having a a good little Lord of the Rings uh, you know going on an adventure. Hey, no, that. no, no, yeah, it, yeah. Lord of the Rings is awesome. You know, oh, I, it is. It's so I, I did, yeah, I did, so powerful. Yeah, I did read somewhere and uh, comment about it when a journalist said about Lord of the Rings and Tolkien. You can you can thank Tolkien for the fantasy world itself, the genre. Yeah, yeah. the genre and yeah. and the the creation of it because of course he was the one who created the word hobbit and that was able to go into the dictionary yes uh, you know i i yeah forget all the other ones like omg and L- lol <laughs> and all yeah. that stuff going into yeah. our dictionary for the, some the of things that get in the dictionary today yeah yes I don't know. Well, ruffle yeah, yeah i don't know <laughs> yeah <laughs> and um you know um, he, yeah. that, that word hobbit came in and he was the one who created all those um sort of fantasy creatures mm. like the dragon and and the gob- goblins, yeah, goblins and yeah, orcs and everything. I think some of them existed, but he added more he, to it. So they, there were earlier, you know, earlier literature that had them, but not these fully established stories. That, yeah, that, yeah, exactly. Like we have in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. It was like yeah. you know, I think it was like fairy tales and stuff that mm. were were inside, were in them. Yeah, and um, Tolkien just in sort of enhanced it like a hundred times. Yeah. <laughs> and, says, and you know, he, he explained it. Explained yeah. it. What happened? Another thing is right with all of this, you know, because Lord of the Rings has such a an established history, and what I mean by that is mm, Tolkien built mm. a, a world. You know, he built a not like say the MCU, right, where where the MCU is no. like this. You know, oh yeah, yeah, it, yeah. yeah. Know, it's a yeah, world. Yeah. It's a it's a universe of its, it's own, and it's, things happen within it. But exactly, Tolkien established exactly. a history of of before you know of things that happened before the Lord of the Rings, um, and and what I love is that. 
because of that, The Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit are so deep. They've got so much depth and and links to things that happened before those stories happened that uh, that I never get bored of watching The Lord of the Rings or reading The Lord of the Rings or listening to The Lord of the Rings. Uh, I never find it boring at all. I, I just love reliving moments in the text. Uh, oh, definitely. You, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, that yeah. was such a great moment. You know, it's like, oh, wow, that's, <laughs> you know, that's, you know, well, I, you know, it's so profound this, you know, this second time or third time that I've heard it or listened to it or read it. Um, uh, but yeah, it's such a, such a powerful story. And, you know, you can just take your time going through these three books, you know, all the rings and plus the Hobbit as well. You can just take your time going through them, enjoying them. And, and I think they're, yeah, I just think they're so, um, there's so much depth that, there's never, it's never a wasted moment to go back to Lord of the Rings ever. Yeah, yeah, no, and it, I say that for the films as well. There. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yes, 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 yes. yes. Maybe the four-hour versions of each film. That, but, but the, you know, yeah, really what extended, is it called? Extended editions. Yeah. Yeah. Extended edition. Yeah, yeah. We, we probably got that one. Now. Yeah, <laughs> I watched the extended edition with you the first time. You you bought the oh, DVD. No, I was like, like, remember we whoa. opened the boxes like I don't know, fifty discs in there. I'm just exaggerating. Oh, no. like, there were so many yeah, DVDs yeah, in there so just so you could get through DVDs. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Back in the days, what is DVDs? Yeah. Not, you get to not, you get to a certain point. Insert disc two to continue watching. You know. Yeah. And we look at the time and go, oh my gosh, it's an hour Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. oh goodness. <laughs> yeah, but I like it, and and uh, you know, with um, I think Peter Jackson did a good job of paying attention, you know, and his writers of paying attention to um, the Lord of the Rings and and doing the best they could to integrate it into a film because it exactly. could be a ten it's film a- story, really. Oh, if you, you know. it can be. Yeah, it can be. It can. The be. Hobbit, not so much. You know, the films. Yeah, I I like the first film a lot. I do enjoy the first Hobbit film. Um. But yeah, I think three films was a bit of a mistake, and I think they kind of okay, yeah, drifted away. It was away still part of the story, things. wasn't it? Yeah. It, was, it was still part of the story. Yeah, yeah. All, all, all of the all films relate to whatever was going on in the text, but they on. take a lot of liberties. You know, like like Legolas. I don't, yeah, I don't know if that needed to be if he needed to be there, but yeah. But either way, either way, um, yeah. Uh, go back to Lord of the Rings. Our love of it, and and the Rings of Power. I think the Rings of Power is a is a great series. Um, Again, I love the characters, the, the acting, the look. Uh, I love the fantasy story elements of it, and and I'm hooked on it now. And I I just want to keep watching more and more and more. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, cool, yeah. cool, cool, cool. <laughs> Lino, over to you. <laughs> Tell uh, us that you, you had a you had a pick as well. Yeah, we watched um um a series called um the Terminal List. So with Star Lord, Star Lord, uh, Chris Pratt. <laughs> Who? What? Sorry, yeah, go ahead. Uh, who is this? Right? Yeah. Well, yes, yeah. that's right. It's Star Lord. <laughs> Can't help don't it, know who Star Lord is. Yeah, yeah, Come no, on, I'm Star Lord. Who? It's so different. Um, I don't know if I've talked about this to you guys or whoever in our podcast and everywhere, but um, I like seeing actors in different roles instead of them being themselves. In a sense, you know, we see Adam Sandler being Adam Sandler. You know, he acts as him. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, almost Adam Sandler? Him. Adam Sandler. No, 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 as in... No, 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 oh, no. I get serious. Click sorry, yes, sorry, yeah, sorry. come back. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, right. sorry. I'm okay, full disclosure. Full disclosure. Oh, I had to sorry, quickly yes. look at my phone and I drifted off. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Please continue. I get the point you're <laughs> oh, making now. Sorry, keep going. Oh, good, good. Yeah. Oh, good, good. oh, man, my kids yeah. do it in class now. I just got caught doing it. All right, go on. Yeah, I get what you mean. Sorry about that, yeah. So, you're watching a comedian. Yes, He's yes. Always been a comedian. Yeah, typecast. His, that's oh, right. Yeah, almost, almost his career. Yeah, he's yeah. typecast. But yeah. seeing Chris Pratt is this sort of character. Yeah. It's, it's different. He's really mm. must be really serious. Of course, it's a book 
the yes. character is serious. Yeah. And it was a good show. Oh, once again, it's, uh, it's only for adults. So I'm going to yes. try to, once again, try to find something for more family. Um, not a family friendly. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Definitely yep. not. Definitely yep. not. And apparently this is a show based on three books by okay. Jack Jack Carr. So if you want sure. to see his books, he there's three of them. So there'll be two other seasons. <laughs> yeah. Well, Chris Pratt's a producer on one, on on these, so he'll want yeah. to do them. But it's a really different side of Chris Pratt. Because I've yeah. seen um, Parks and Recreation, which I've heard is a good series. Yeah, it's more comedic so for sure, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, another one we just started watching will be the last <laughs> the last season of um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. So okay. we've been watching yeah. that. Yeah. So it's a good show. Um, catching up on Lower Decks, Star Trek yes. Lower Decks. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, Absolutely. So, yes. <laughs> I'm totally, I've totally missed it. Absolutely yeah. awesome. So um, funny. Especially this, yes. especially this episode two. And, yeah, um, let's talk about talking. that moment that you were saying before. Oh, yeah, go wow. on. It's so thinking, funny. Yes. I had to look at Bernadette, who was yeah. beside me. I go, hey, babe. They all play Dungeons and Dragons, but Klingon, yeah, Klingon, that's right. Klingon, Klingon Dungeons, yeah. Dungeons and Dragons. Because now let's love- talk about this. So recently, uh, we've we've been to your house. My family's been to your house twice, and we've been playing Hero <laughs> Quest, which we talked about. I think we talked about last episode, Hero Quest. So you know, so it's all rolling dice and seeing what happens, and you know, if you get to yeah, move yeah. forward or backwards. And um, <laughs> yeah. and Danny and I have been playing Descent, which is like a more advanced Hero Quest type game as well with a storyline. Everything, yeah. Very wow. And, it was very complicated yeah. at times. Now yeah. with Descent, you need. Uh, actually, with I don't recommend a phone. It's too it's too small. But like a computer, you, to, you know, or something, a, a tablet. You, you need yeah, an app yeah. basically, which which can uh, so you can play it where a person is the dungeon master, or you can have an app act as the dungeon master, like General Martok in a way. Um, yeah, yeah, although, yeah, yeah. although not as advanced, not as advanced. Oh, but, um, I would love yeah, to have something like that. But you have like an that. app that tells you what's happening yeah. and who you're fighting and how to conduct fights and what happens next if you take a particular action. So exactly. Yeah, so exactly. I loved the the General Martok <laughs> app. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I love the one that was with Lindsay with the rolling dice and the yeah. dice will the no dice numbers will highlight. Yes, and it will interact with what the with, yeah with the, yeah that's is, right. Is that the technology we're going to be looking at when we play games? I'll yeah. be going wow. I just we, love I love blown. that they still have DLC. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because you know how we you know how we, <laughs> we we get board games and the board games have expansion packs and here we are. This has got <laughs> so good. Sorry, we can't spoil it too much, but like yeah. when that part came in, I just yes. packed myself Yeah, I lost it too. It was very it funny. so, so yeah. true. And it's they're so still doing that, yeah. doing that marketing yeah. uh, spin. They make this great so, game, and if you want to play more, oh, buy the expansion pack. You know, you get the, the DLC. Yeah. <laughs> the DLC. Oh, yeah. It was so good. Very but yeah, funny. What, yeah. keep, keeping, what, uh, keeping up with um, Lower Decks. So, yes. Uh, um, I think it's um. I just it, does it come every week, Lindsay? Every, every week, week, yeah, once a week, yes. Yeah, okay, weekly cool, release, cool. yeah. So, so I saw episode be... three, but it's too soon to talk about it because of spoilers. But uh, oh, okay. Yeah. So we're, but we're entertaining to, anyway. We're just watching it very yeah. much. Love, but, love lower decks. Yes, love it. episode two, the uh, the Klingon, yeah, the General oh, Martok, um, oh, yeah, Dungeons so of Dragons was very good. funny. Oh, so funny. So good. Yeah. Yes. Was at the start, of course, I was like, wait a minute. At the start, of course, my my bad. Yeah. At the start, it was just the screen of him, and I went, "Oh no, the Klingons are coming!" And also, yeah. as it pans out, it's on a yeah. on a not a laptop, but on the tablet. Yeah. And I went, on a, yeah. "Wait on a, a minute, this looks familiar." Star Trek, yeah. Pads, pads, yeah, yeah. Here we go, and it gets so Klingon Dungeons and Dragons. It was so yeah. good, oh. but the whole 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 episode was so good to watch too. Very yeah. good. 
Um, now, we'll point out, and I think Secrets of Star Trek, another great podcast mm. um, on SPPN, they'll probably that, cover yeah. it. Uh, however, um, Star Trek uh, re- recently released a bunch of teasers and trailers and updates on upcoming shows and things like that. So um, you can if you just go on YouTube and Google Star Trek or upcoming Star Trek, you'll see all of them listed there. But they had a little preview of what happens next in Star Trek Prodigy, a, a great preview of um, of Star Trek Picard Season 3, which, again, I won't say anything about. Watch it yourself. But I, I was like, whoa, whoa, exciting. Looking forward to that. <laughs> hopefully hopefully it picks up uh, and does. So I like Season 1 and 2, right? So uh, there are some people who didn't like it so much. I liked it, although it wasn't always great. There were lots of parts that could have been better. So I'm hoping that Season 3 just knocks it out of the park with, with what they... With what they have and with who they have, I really, 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 really hope that this is a great epic story. I'm, uh, I hope so anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think there was like a still photo from Star Trek Discovery. Yep. Okay. Whatever. Uh, so okay. yeah, we'll yeah, um, <laughs> hopefully that series will pick up. And there was a, there was a brief um, scene from uh, Strange New Worlds too. So they, okay, they showed, yeah. yeah, season two. So that was, that was pretty cool. I've been as hearing well. that's been doing well, actually. Star- Strange was- New Worlds was excellent. It was yeah. excellent. I loved it. I loved the first season. So I'm looking forward to more. Cool, yeah. cool, cool, cool. All right. Uh, I think we should wrap it up there. Is there any, any other entertainment or are we, are, we, are we entertained enough? Are we overstimulated I think we've been entertained now? enough. Yeah. Just right. for us, I think when this um, podcast comes out, we'll be our AFL finals. Grand final. Thing. Yeah, I'll, that's right. Well, it's been happening. So for, yes. for us Aussies, well, AFL final series is on its way and soon yes. enough we'll find out the grand final and yep. um yep sports on that to come. Well, wise yeah. yep sports wise yeah. we'll see how we go yeah yeah <laughs> brilliant all right so before we do finish up the show we want to thank you for joining us for episode 84 of the catholics of oz and we'd love to thank our patrons who make this show possible so we have uh andreas s jesse k began f patrick w and paul b through their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give they make it possible for the Catholics of Oz and all of our other shows to uh, all of the other shows on the network, not the, our shows, sorry, but all of the other shows on the network <laughs> to continue. I just made myself CEO for a second there. Whoops, sorry. Uh, yep, I'm waiting for that that uh, pink slip that says you're fired to come along now. Sorry, uh, right. but if you would like email. to support, Beep. yeah, email. That's it. Yep. Uh, if you would like to join um, our patrons in supporting the show financially, if you can. You can visit them by joining sqpn.com slash give. And don't forget to pray for the network as well, because your prayers are so important too, as we continue to discern the network's mission for God as part of God's mission. This is Dom Bettinelli, CEO of StarQuest. I need to ask for your help. But first, I want to thank you for listening to StarQuest and supporting our mission of exploring the intersection of faith and pop culture. In order to continue that mission and create more new shows, we need to bring on more audio editors, video editors, and production equipment. If you value this show, we need to hear from you now. If you're not yet one of our monthly patrons, please become one. And if you're already a patron, please consider increasing your monthly donation. There are many special patron benefits we'd like to give you, and you can learn about them by going to sqpn.com give and clicking become a patron. Please go to sqpn.com give today.
Also, we'd love to know your thoughts on topics we've discussed today. You can send us feedback by visiting sqpn.com slash oz, where you can also find show notes and links for today's episode. You can go to discord, sqpn.com slash discord, and leave comments directly there where we see them. You can go to uh, StarQuest's Facebook page, facebook.com slash StarQuest Media, or Twitter at SQPN, or search for SQPN on Instagram. So on all the socials, we're, we're there as well. And also, we have our own Catholics of Oz Facebook page, facebook.com slash Catholics of Oz, spelled O-Z. And lastly, if you like good old email, you can still send us email at Catholics of Oz <laughs> at SQPN.com. <laughs> Lino, thank you so much for being part of episode 84 today. 84, 1984. Oh, sorry, you just picked up good memories of it. So good, so good. Nineteen eighty-four. I was, I was uh, you? three years you old. I was three, three years old. old. Nineteen eighty-four. Yeah. I think we, I think we started prep. Oh, was so young. good. Yeah, yeah. You would have been a bit of prep around then. Yeah, prepare with Holy good Family times, good. Primary. Yeah, good times. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Transformers was a cartoon. Voltron yep. was a cartoon oh, in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so eighties. Go with it. Eighties nostalgia. Yeah. Oh, so there's good. our next. So there's our next entertainment segment. <laughs> all right. So, all right. And once Thank again, yeah. Once again, I'm Lizzie said. Thank you so much for listening to episode eighty-four of the Catholics of Oz on StarQuest. StarQuest wants to hear from you. We're conducting a survey of our audience. That's you, to help us in our planning for the future. Please take a moment and visit sqpn.com survey. We'll be selecting two participants to receive an Amazon gift card as an expression of our thanks. So visit sqpn.com survey today.